Welcome to the Upper Room Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to urfellowship.com. It's good to see you. Good to see you. How are you? Everybody got your coffee? Caffeinated up? Well, from those of us who are part of the Upper Room family, we want to extend a warm welcome to those that are here who are visitors. Uh, We know that visiting churches can be a really uh, difficult thing to do, so welcome if you're new. We're so glad that you're here. We hope that you enjoy your time with us today. And uh, so last week, the amazing Beth Scheller taught us. She did a great job. Yeah. And she spoke about the processes that we go through in our faith journey and the obstacles that can block the path to our destiny. You remember that? Yeah. So today what I want to do is I want to talk to you, those of you who feel like you've hit some of those obstacles or you're in the middle of that process. And maybe you believed that at one point or another that God would do something amazing and you've, you had faith for miracles, and you were believing for a movement of God in your life. Maybe you used to want God to use you to make uh, a big difference, and then life just, just kept happening, and some years have gone by, and you've hit some obstacles, and not much went down in your life spiritually, and you started to settle when it comes to spiritual things. Now, you know, now since you haven't seen God do something significant in a long period of time, maybe you're just willing to settle, you know, for God, just do something. God, just do anything. So this is a message for those of you who feel like maybe you're settling spiritually in life. It might be a young lady who was really believing God for a godly man, a guy full of faith, you know, on fire for God, a potential great dad, amazing husband, fantastic provider, One who loves long walks on the beach and is a good kisser, right? All all for the glory of God. Bring them to me, God. A year goes by, another year goes by, another year goes by, another year goes by, and eventually it's just as like, God, just bring me a mail, right? A job, job's optional, I'm not picky, right? This happens. God, I want this, but it's, it's, it's not happening. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a business. I'm gonna, it's going to be amazing. I'm going to do something that I love. I'm gonna be, uh, it's going to be fantastic. I'm going to use my entre- entrepreneurial skills, and I'm going to make a lot of money. And then one day, it's just, God, just help me pay the rent for this month, right? Or I'm going to be a fantastic parent. I'm going to read books to my kids every night. We're going to tell stories, and we're going to have prayer time, and we're going to have these perfect Pinterest parties. And then one day, your prayer is just, God, help me not to kill them today, right? In Jesus' name. So I'm going to talk to you, to to those today who you've lowered your expectations of what God might do. And I want to give you one thought today, just just one, and it's this. The thought is this. You have no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. You have no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. And I want to talk today about a couple from the Old Testament named uh, Abraham and Sarah. Okay, originally their names were Abram and Sarai. Name, their names were changed. So some of the scriptures we're gonna we're gonna read today say Abram. So, but I'm just gonna call them Abraham and Sarah. Uh, so Abraham and Sarah want to have children. 
and unfortunately they can't conceive. So maybe you, some of you have been there, so whenever you want kids and you can't conceive, it seems like everyone you know gets pregnant, right? Couples can bump into each other in the hallway and get pregnant with twins. Abraham and Sarah do everything possible but cannot get pregnant. They're devastated. Then God speaks to them and challenges them to have this huge amount of faith. In Genesis chapter 12, if you have, if you have your Bibles, you can go there. We'll be there first. And then we're going to jump forward to Genesis 15. In Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, I think it is. God says to Abraham and Sarah, says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Here's the promise. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Another time, God says, you're going to be the father of many nations. Well, Abraham and Sarah hear this and immediately know, there it is. God said it, it will happen. We're going to be parents. This is the news we've been waiting for. God has promised us. So immediately they start picking baby names. You know, we're going to name it this if it's a boy. We're going to name it this if it's a girl. They start uh, picking out nursery themes. Sarah reads what to expect when you're expecting, right? It's a very old book. And then a month goes by, and we're not pregnant. No big deal. God's word is true, right? He's just given us a month to prepare. Next month is going to be the month. Another month goes by. Well, certainly this is a month. We're not pregnant again. Wow, two months. Okay, God's giving us a little bit more time. Third month, fourth month. God really wants us to be prepared. Fifth month, sixth month, seventh month. Genesis 12, God makes a promise. We jump forward to Genesis 15 and read in verse 1, and it says, Genesis 15, 1, sometime later. <clears throat> sometime later. The, the, the Lord speaks to Abram in Genesis 12. When is sometime later? The answer is we're not exactly sure how much time went by, but at least a decade. At least a decade passed between Genesis 12 and Genesis 15. So some Bible scholars argue maybe much longer than that, but we know at least one decade passed. So it says, Sometime later the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? What good is all that you give me when I don't even have someone to give what I have to after I die? I don't even have a son. It's been a decade or more of what appears to be unfulfilled promises and unrealized expectations. Month after month, at least 120 disappointments. Where are you, God? Why aren't you doing what I thought you were going to do? God, did you... Did we hear you right? Was it you or was that not you? God, did you forget about us? You see, from Abraham's point of view, nothing was happening. There was a promise and a lot of time, but no evidence of God working during that time. So Abraham's like, I'm going to lower my expectations. 
Just give me a son. One son, that's all I want. And here's the thing. Here's the big idea. When it comes to faith, when it comes to life, when it comes to God's blessing, we, like Abraham, tend to think addition. Give me just one son. We think add to my life. We tend to think addition, but God always thinks multiplication. We tend to think addition, but God thinks multiplication. If you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, what did God say to Adam and Eve? Be fruitful and multiply. He didn't say be fruitful and add. He said be fruitful and multiply, which oddly enough was a conversation I had with Kate's dad, which is about the most awkward conversation I ever had with a man that I respect. So right after I asked him if I could marry Katie, I said, you know, I want your blessing to marry Kate. And he said, I want grandkids. That was his response. True story. I want grandkids. I gave him two. So be fruitful and multiply. In Mark 4.20, Jesus said that a sower, a guy who plants, not a guy who sows, but a guy who plants, went out to sow some seeds. And some seeds didn't produce a single return. But Jesus said some seeds produced a harvest of 30 times the return. Some 60 times the return. Some 100 times the return. A single seed planted can have an exponential multiplying return of a hundredfold. One seed planted in the ground. You have no idea what our God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. Abraham and Sarah wanted a son. A decade passed and they didn't see a thing. And maybe you feel the same way. You've been praying for something but nothing's happening. You've been believing that God would do something, that God would hear your prayer, hear, your cry, hear the cry of your heart, that God would bring a miracle, God would change something, God would move upon someone, God would make a provision, and you've been praying, and you've been believing, and nothing has happened. I want to tell you that just because you don't see anything doesn't mean that God isn't doing something. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean God isn't doing it. You don't see what's happening under the ground to a seed planted in faith. I recently read an article about the Gideon organization. If you don't know what that is, um, it's this group of people that volunteer their time and they go out to different places. They go to college campuses and hand out Bibles to people. Or you may have seen their Bible in in a hotel that you stayed at, the Gideon Bible. It's all run by volunteers, but in this article, they interviewed some of the Gideons, and they they asked the question, tell me what you think about when you go out to give Bibles away. And the the one guy said, he said, I see it like sowing seeds. You never know if a seed is going to go in good ground or bad ground, but you continue to plant seeds, believing that some seeds will take root. He went on to say, I simply pray every every single time I go out, God, may one seed bear good fruit. And this guy never gets to see if the seed bears fruit or not. He gives them away and then that's it. Abraham had the same problem that so many of us have. He had a very limited perspective. In Genesis 15, Abraham's in his, this tent telling God what he doesn't see. And then in verse 5 of Genesis 15, we read this. It says, Then the Lord took Abram outside. I would love to know what that looked like, but the Lord took him outside. Get out here, Abram, Abraham. Sometimes we need to get outside of our limited perspective to help, us, to, to help take us out of our unmet expectations. Abraham's in the tent. I don't see what you're, what you're doing, God. And God tells Abraham 
what I think he would tell some of us. You need a change of perspective. Abraham, come outside. And then God communicates to him the truth. My thoughts are not your thoughts, Abraham. My ways are not like your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. In verse 5, he says this, Then the Lord took Abraham, Abraham outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. God, you haven't even given me a son. Given me a son. And the Lord takes him outside and says, Count the stars. That's what I'm up to, Abraham. That's how many descendants you'll have. And Abraham is stunned. I was thinking addition. You were thinking multiplication. God, I was thinking a son. You're thinking a nation. Abraham doubts God, and God meets him right in his doubt. God assures him. Abraham is filled with doubts and questions, and God says, come outside and look at this. I mean, this is the God of the universe Abraham's talking to. Why doesn't God just say, hey, twerp, how dare you question me? He doesn't. He answers him. And when Abraham shows more doubts later in the passage, he answers him again. Abraham has doubts, and God answers his doubts. Abraham gets more doubts, and God answers him again. You see here that God is very patient with doubters. On the other hand, he doesn't let you stay in your doubt. He doesn't just say, oh, well, you know, they're human beings, and they're going to doubt. He keeps answering. He keeps reassuring. It reminds me of one of the most famous doubters in the Bible, Thomas. In John 20, we're told Thomas wasn't present when the disciples saw the risen Jesus appear. So when he, told, so when he was told Jesus is risen, he said, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I'm just going to doubt until I can see him, until I can actually put my hands in the nail prints of his hands. And when Jesus shows up to Thomas, he says, here, Thomas, Touch me. Stop doubting and believe. And that's the perfect balance. Jesus doesn't go, how dare you doubt me? Instead, he says, you want to touch me here? Go ahead. But he also says, stop doubting. So on one hand, God doesn't sit there and say, it's fine. You're going to doubt. That's just all there is to it. On the other hand, God is gentle with doubters. There is a perfect balance. And I'll tell you why this is important. Because a lot of people have spiritual doubts, but they never honestly try to change or sort them out. And they never get any better. Then there's the flip side of that, and that is there are many people who have come from a setting in which you were never allowed to doubt. You don't question, right? This is God's word. You don't question it. Churches in which it's unsafe to doubt create skeptics, especially as teenagers and young people. Because as you're growing up, if you're unable to be open about your doubts, you'll never get answers. On the other hand, we live in a secular culture that assumes anybody who has any kind of certainties about faith, is all, they're all just naive. So it's considered sophisticated to always be doubtful and skeptical about everything. Who knows about anything? So you have a culture that makes doubt into a virtue, and you have a traditional church culture in which doubt is a no-no. And then you have God, who is gentle with those who doubt, but never accepts it as a place where you can live forever. 
Our church has always been seeking that balance, right? We want to be different than either the world or a lot of the traditional church when it comes to, to, to doubters being welcome here. But Abraham has doubts about whether God's promise is going to come true. And the Lord takes Abraham outside and says to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And for those of you who belong to Christ, what you can take hope in is as you see the stars in the sky, that you are one of those stars. You are a seed of Abraham. There's a Bible verse that says it, and there's a song that says it too. Let's start with the Bible verse, but you know we're going to get to the song. Okay? So Galatians 3, 26 through 29 says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized in Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For, all, for, all, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. Here's our verse. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you belong to Christ, you've been transformed by his grace, if you've met his resurrection power and you've been forgiven of sins, you are Abraham's seed. You're a seed of Abraham. There's a song. The song goes like this. Sing it along if you'd like. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. Some of you aren't singing. I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. Nod your head, turn around, sit down. I don't know the rest, but you're a seed of Abraham. Right? And you have no idea what God can produce through a single seed planted in faith. And here's what I hope you'll understand. Abraham was thinking a son. God was thinking of you and me and the millions of people who are meeting today to praise his name. All the way thousands and thousands of years later through history. Never measure God's unlimited power by our limited expectations. One seed, one free Bible given away, one prayer prayed. One prayer prayed can change a family, which can change a generation, which can change who knows what. One gift given may impact a life. You may not see it today. It may take weeks, it may take months, it may take years for that seed to take root and produce fruit. But one gift given can initiate an explosive growth of spiritual fruit. And it may not happen immediately, but you have no idea what our God may produce through a single seed sown in faith. So keep sowing seeds. Don't stop. Don't get discouraged. This is a message for you who have Lowered your expectations of God. God may not do exactly what you want him to do in the moment, but our God is still working in all things to bring about good to those who love him. To those who are called according to his purpose. Do not grow weary in doing good. Because scripture says, you will reap a harvest. How do you reap a harvest? You got to plant a seed. And you may say, but I don't have I don't have much faith. How much faith do you need? Jesus said this, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, which is a very small seed. You can say to a mountain, be removed from here and that mountain will be removed if you have the faith 
of the smallest seed. Our God is with you. Our God is for you. Our God is powerful. He's got a salvation. He's got a forgiveness. He's got a breakthroughs. He's got a miracles. And if you've started to lower your expectations of God because of doubt, you doubt that God is working, understand God's promises are true. God's word is alive and his presence is with us. We serve a God who can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. That's not addition, that's multiplication. We, can, we serve a God who can do exceedingly abundantly more than all we can ask and imagine, according to his power that's in work in us. You have no idea what God can do through a single seed planted in faith. And if you haven't figured it out yet, your life is a seed. You have no idea how many lives can be touched, how many lives can be changed, and how much glory can be brought to our Father through one life given in faith. Because we have no idea what our God can produce through one life devoted to him. Amen. Let's pray. So, Father, we ask today that you would speak to us, your church, Lord. Inspire, encourage Build our faith, God, to believe that you want to do more in us and you want to do more through us. Amen. Let me pray for a couple of groups today. To those of you who've been believing God for a long time and you're a bit discouraged, I just pray today that uh, just as Abraham and Sarah waited for over a decade, that our faith would not be just in what we want from God, but our faith would be completely in you and who you are and your goodness and your perfect will and your provision in your perfect timing. God, help us to put our full faith in you. For those of you that maybe you're going through life and you feel like you're settling spiritually and you always thought there was more but now you're experiencing less but you want God to work through you and you want to plant seeds in faith and you say, God, use me to do more for your kingdom. I want to be a seed that brings more fruit. Would you just lift your hands right now? Amen. God, I thank you for a church full of people saying yes. Stir in us a desire to serve those in your church and outside your church. God, give us a heart to let our light shine to people who need the grace of Jesus. God, give us favor with people as we lift up your name. We thank you, God. Lord, stretch us to believe that you can do more in us and through us than we ever thought possible. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. The ministry team wants to come forward. If you'd like prayer for any reason, Come on forward. If not, you're free to go. Enjoy your day.